Under the Golden Dome is supported by the Iowa Bankers Association and by Cultivating Compassion, the Dr. Richard Deming Foundation, fostering causes that enrich the community, generate understanding, and cultivate compassion, including above and beyond cancer. Hello, and uh, welcome to uh, the March Revenue Estimating Conference. I'd like to call the conference to order. At least three times a year, a three-member panel called the Revenue Estimating Conference presents a forecast of the general fund revenue available to the state of Iowa in the upcoming fiscal year. Each person has their prediction, and during these meetings, they come to an agreement. These financial forecasts are what the governor and legislators must use to build a budget. Michael Buzlow is a new member to this panel. He is from the governor's office. We'll be reviewing our estimate for fiscal year 22, which starts this coming July 1st of 2021 and ends June 30th of 2022. Last December, the REC's fiscal year 2022 budget is what the governor used for her proposal released in January. The legislature must use the estimate that is the lowest from the December and this March meeting. Since we met in December, there have been two more rounds of stimulus checks for qualifying individuals, extended unemployment insurance benefits, and other federal assistance, with the most recent stimulus plan approved just last week. So the impact of that stimulus remains to be seen. Holly Lyons is the second member of this panel. She is from the Legislative Services Agency. Before Lyons shares her financial forecast, she talks about what influences her predictions. The economy has been remarkably resilient to the COVID-19-induced recession, largely because our primary industrial sectors are manufacturing, finance and insurance, and agriculture. And those sectors were not as vulnerable as the service sectors. That's not to minimize the impact on that sector, however. That sector was hit hard. Unemployment continues to disproportionately impact lower wage workers, and many of those are in the service industry and not able to shift to work-from-home status as workers in other industries have. While job recovery in Iowa was swift after the initial downturn and up through last August, recent months have seen a slowdown in job growth. I like it, liken it to riding a bike downhill, down a very, very steep hill, and immediately going up another hill. As you hit the bottom of the hill, the momentum carries you partway up the next hill, but then you need to start pedaling to get up the hill or you'll stall. We've slowed down and we're not close to the pre-pandemic job levels yet. Our employment recovery curve looks like a backwards check mark where the desired shape should, would be more of a V. We have to hope that the vaccines, stimulus money, better weather, and pent-up demand will accelerate job growth. REC panelist David Underwood is the third member. Underwood says it will be important to fill the workforce, and some Iowans may need to be more flexible in what kind of job they want to pursue. Uh, there are certainly jobs that are available from anywhere from entry level to the uh, upper professional levels. Just a matter of uh, some of the people that are unemployed in Iowa, which our unemployment percentage is, is fairly low, uh, would consider maybe a, a new profession. So they might not go back to work at a McDonald's or a Target retail store. There are opportunities in other uh, professions that don't require advanced degrees. So, I mean, elder care is, is one area where Iowa has got plenty of opportunities uh, for people to take advantage of. So I think that we could really bite into uh, some of those unemployment numbers 
and decline in uh, the uh, non-farm job counts if uh, people would just maybe be a little more flexible in what they would uh, take on. The forecasts and their comments come from a variety of sources, including data from the Department of Revenue and Moody's Analytics, a company that provides financial predictions for investors. Michael Buzlow says they also use anecdotal information gathered from friends and businesses. Home builders have told me last year was their best year ever in building homes, new homes, and they believe that this year will only be better. That's corroborated on a statewide basis by Department of Revenue economic forecasts, as well as on a national basis by Moody's, our economic uh, forecasting partner and, and bond rating partner. Those new homes have to be filled, as we, as we likely know uh, ourselves, and, and filling those homes will lead to longer-term receipts for the state for the sales of those durable goods that will undoubtedly come in. Buzlow also says, for now, the agriculture sector is in a good place with high crop prices, but it depends on international trade for it to continue. Foreign partners played a major role in driving crop prices in Iowa. Questions exist regarding that Chinese demand. Now, ultimately, the Chinese cannot grow enough soybeans and pork to feed their people. They will have to buy it somewhere, but will that somewhere be the United States? I believe that we are insulated in that for this coming crop year, but it's that longer-term question that that will be played out on a uh, you know geopolitical level, much broader than the Iowa legislature. The panelists go through their own revenue projections, and between the three of them, they agree on a single number. So the fiscal year 2022 estimate, which if you're following on the revenue estimating conference sheet. Um, the bottom line is going to be eight billion three hundred eighty-five million six hundred thousand. This prediction is a three point eight percent growth from the previous fiscal year. The December fiscal year twenty-two prediction was eight point two six billion dollars. So the legislature will use this figure for the new budget. Today, Senate Republicans are releasing our fiscal year 2022 budget targets. Based on the REC's report, Senate Majority Leader Jack Whitfer announces the Senate budget priorities. The main funding increases are $80 million for education, including $55 million for K-12 education. Healthcare funding increases of $98 million, including an increase of $60 million for mental health services and public safety funding increases of $13 million, including $4 million for correctional officers. Majority Leader Whitfer says these are his suggestions for Senate leadership to begin crafting a more specific budget. All of these targets are just general budget targets for the entire budget and then for individual um, budget committees. And so the the committee chairs are going to work through that process with um, with the House, with the governor, to make sure that priorities are met. And so um, right now is really just the beginning of the budget process here in, in the Senate and in the, in the, in the Capitol. Um, the sprint to the finish will start today with these budget targets coming out. Uh, but all those decisions are going to be made by our budget chairs working with the House and with the governor. There is also money coming from the federal government. The American Rescue Plan was passed this month. It's similar to the 2020 Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Act, or CARES. Woodford says the Senate is not writing a budget that factors what could come from the American Rescue Plan. The federal money uh, in the latest uh, Rescue Act 
Um, still, we still need to figure out all the strings attached to that. And so we've really set that aside and said, we'll look at that in, in possibly next year's budget or, or in the future. Uh, but we, we don't want to um, use that money only to have it clawed back like what happened with the Workday situation. Workday is a human resources system the state is in the process of converting to. It was something planned before 2020. Governor Reynolds initially allocated several million dollars from the CARES Act for this, but it was not an allowable expense because it was not related to coronavirus recovery. I know that Iowa is not the only state facing this this level of uncertainty. Republican Speaker of the House Pat Grassley says the House is also cautious of how to factor money from the American Rescue Plan as they write next year's budget. The House has not yet released their initial budget numbers. Our budget chairs are working uh, right now, figuring out what things they want to be able to fund within, within their individual budget subcommittees. Grassley says he hopes there will be guidance from the federal government before the end of the session on what the American Rescue Plan can't be used for. He says he doesn't want the House budget to be based on one-time money for ongoing expenses. This is Under the Golden Dome. I'm John Pimble. A good civics lesson teaches you how to be an engaged citizen, and listening to Under the Golden Dome helps you be an engaged Iowan. When you become a member of Iowa Public Radio, you support coverage that keeps you engaged and informed. Give now at iowapublicradio.org slash donate. It takes just a few minutes to make a powerful impact. Under the Golden Dome is supported by Cultivating Compassion, the Dr. Richard Deming Foundation, and by the Iowa Bankers Association. Small businesses are the backbone of Iowa communities, and they're backed by Iowa banks. See how banks are helping small businesses see a stronger tomorrow at iowabankers.com. In a Senate Ways and Means subcommittee, an omnibus bill about taxes comes before a three-member panel. An omnibus bill contains many divisions. Each could be its own bill. This bill has eight divisions. The first division gains the most attention. It would change how the mental health services are funded. Right now, they are mostly funded through property taxes. We need to find a new way to fund this system. Republican Senator Dan Dawson says he wants to shift the current funding system away from property taxes and have it come from the state's general fund. The disparity is basically upon your zip code, you have a chance of having a region that, you know, otherwise decides to have a higher property tax rate and have uh, more mental health funding. Or you could be in a region that has a lower property tax rate and lower mental health funding. One of the things we're primarily trying to address in this bill here today is to make sure that all Iowans, wherever you're at, you actually have the same per capita distribution for mental health funding. The other seven divisions of the bill are not about mental health funding, but are in some way related to taxes. One eliminates a levy called PEARL, the Public Education and Recreational Tax Levy. This is where each school district can vote for this levy. Out of Iowa's 333 school districts in 2018, only 22 have a PEARL levy. Another division is about removing what's called backfill payments to Iowa cities and counties. This is a result of a 2013 piece of legislation that reduced the taxable value of commercial properties. The state pays these communities to make up for this lost taxable revenue. 
Because this bill has so many divisions, the subcommittee is scheduled for an hour instead of the normal 30 minutes. We're largely supportive of the bill's construct and concept regarding mental health. Shelley Chandler is CEO of Iowa Association of Community Providers. They work with mental health and disability service providers across Iowa. Uh, in the past, the conversation that we've had about the sustainability of uh, the mental health system has devolved into one of property taxes, and we get into arguments with the Farm Bureau. Um, we all hate property taxes. I hate property taxes. We don't want uh, having conversation about the mental health system to be about property taxes. This bill, we think, allows us to move away from that conversation to one that is a sustainable system. If this proposal becomes law, it begins on July 1st. CEO of Polk County Mental Health and Disability Services Region Liz Cox is concerned about operating capital for this summer. I'm assuming that the quarterly distribution uh, to the region administrators would be after um, the first quarter, not at the beginning of the first quarter. Uh, So for us to to be able to conduct business, pay bills, uh, that would put us in a deficit. So my concern would be that we wouldn't have funding to pay the bills and that our providers would be unpaid for at least 90 days. So I would encourage senators to consider a 25% reserve cap to allow us to, you know, conduct business for those 90-day increments. I am concerned with it moving towards 100% state funding from the general fund. Leslie Carpenter with Iowa Mental Health Advocacy prefers mental health funding to be a hybrid of money from the state's general fund and from local stakeholders. The reason for that concern is that when a state has a bad economic year, one of the first things that usually gets cut is mental health funding. The second division of the bill focuses on the backfill. Robert Palmer of the Iowa League of Cities says communities count on these payments, especially in rural areas. A critical component of the 2013 agreement that was reached uh, in an effort to um, change the way that property taxes burdened Iowans, the state took on a portion of those to create stability within that. And so there's really no other way to say it except that pulling those dollars out of communities across Iowa will have to be made up through property taxes, which is the opposite of the goal when that uh, commitment was reached in 2013. Phasing out backfill payments is also the concern for the Iowa State Association of Counties, represented by Lucas Binken. We don't want to have a tax shift, uh, but the backfill is a reimbursement for the benefit that commercial and industrial properties are getting uh, by reducing their taxable valuation. And so if that goes away, uh, the shift goes to homeowners and farmers because that's 70% uh, of the valuation in the state of Iowa. The fourth division of this bill would eliminate the public education and recreational tax levy called PEARL. This is for the establishment and maintenance of public recreation playgrounds and accommodations for these places on public schools. Emily Piper from the Iowa Association of School Boards opposes this division. I guess I'm perplexed as to why we would eliminate a levy that is voter approved Um, I agree that there are not a large number of school districts that use that, but it is something that their voters have said that they support. And by not taking action to ask for that to be rescinded, they clearly continue to support that. So we would ask that you strike 
um, Division 4 of the bill. Division 7 of the bill is another repeal. This gets rid of the Charitable Conservation Contribution Tax Credit. This is where a person receives 50% of the market value on their taxes if they donate the portion of their property adhering to conservation practices to a government agency. The landowner retains the right to use their land for agriculture and conservation. This agreement can continue if the land is sold or passed down to heirs. Larry Kirsten donated farmland to the Iowa Natural Heritage Foundation. He sold the land a few years ago, and the tax credit benefit was transferred to the new owner. A starting young farmer who, because the easement was in place, the market value of the land was reduced somewhat, and he was able to afford it. He's now farming the land, making a living off of it, And it has been a total win-win-win for everyone. It was a win for me. It was a win for this young farmer. It was a win for the state of Iowa. And I certainly hope that that provision will still be available to the people of the state of Iowa. Another division of the bill, number eight, isn't a repeal, but it creates more work to be part of Iowa's Forest Reserve Program. It started in 1906. This is where an owner maintains between one to ten acres of trees that contains at least 200 trees per acre. If it's fruit trees, it can be 40 to 70, depending on the variety. If the number of trees fall below the threshold, the owner has a year to replace them. The owner of the land is exempt from property taxes and does not have to refile for status unless an inspection proves the property no longer qualifies. This bill provides the tax exemption last for five years and then must be renewed. It also grants the Department of Natural Resources to adopt new rules about an owner's active engagement and maintenance of this land. Larry Murphy lobbies for the city of Cedar Rapids, an area where the derecho storm last August caused considerable damage. Statewide, it it, uh, eliminated about 50% of the tree canopy. The reality is in some areas like Cedar Rapids, Lynn County, and the eastern Iowa counties, uh, you saw 78% of the tree canopy. The ability to restock and replant those, uh, I think the while there may be some merit in, in looking at the, the tax credit, right now I think the priority should be uh, strengthening the tax credit and actually trying to help the state restock its, its tree uh, inventory. A non-controversial division of the bill, number five, allows a person who is 70 years or older with an income at the poverty level to receive a tax credit for taxes due on their property. Then there is division six of the bill. It would allow income tax reductions that passed during the 2018 legislative session to begin in 2023. Originally, those income tax reductions would happen if the state's annual revenue grows by 4%. This has been referred to as a trigger. If this bill sounds familiar, that's because a week ago the Senate just passed a bill with unanimous support allowing this to happen. Although we passed a bill last week that had the triggers in it, that hasn't apparently gotten the House House Republicans' attention. We're going to do it again with this bill. Democratic Senator Joe Bolcom says this omnibus bill contains many Republican priorities that haven't made headway in other legislative sessions, including the elimination of the backfill. The, it's, let me start by just talking briefly about the elimination of $152 million 
in the so-called backfill that goes to cities, counties, and schools. Uh, eliminating that backfill is going to cause a property tax increase, not a property tax decrease, as we've heard. It's going to shift taxes onto residential and ag ground, and it's and it's possibly going to result in reduction of locals and school services, including defunding the police, which I think last a couple of weeks ago, we spent about four hours on a bill uh, to say we shouldn't defund the police. I think that eliminating the backfill is going to amount to defunding the police. Senator Bolcom, every time we try to do a piece of policy around here, politics and cheap shots always seem to be the forefront of what comes out as opposed to any merit here within the bill. Senator Dan Dawson responds. I guess if we're going to be a political route, say that Senate Democrats think that the current funding system is the most stable thing, we shouldn't do anything else, then I guess we can just tell all the regions to pack up and we don't need to be worried about mental health funding. And they must be absolutely wrong in what they're asking the state to uh, provide some more resources here. That's not the word I'm hearing from the regions. Uh, That's not the word that I'm hearing from constituents. And that's what we're trying to address here in this bill. Again, uh, no one said this bill here is perfect, but we're trying to move this ball down the road because as long as we're tied to property taxes, there's going to be no holistic reforms there because the regions get mired in local politics that have inability to really reform in a way that might service and help Iowans. The bill passes out of this subcommittee and the next day it comes before the full Senate Ways and Means Committee. We are working on amendment. We've got some really good feedback. Uh, you know, we can try to make the numbers work as best as we can, but there's obviously some operational impact that occurs uh, that, you know, people boots on the ground, they know how it works every day. Uh, one of the things that we are working towards is to try to create some type of reserve uh, carryover fund for these uh, regions. Uh, this will probably be seen on in a floor amendment uh, where they can have some, uh, you know, cost of doing business between that June, July timeframe. That's something that I do foresee us uh, including there to give some regions more stability from going fiscal year to fiscal year. Although this is a big omnibus bill, the primary talking points revolve around the funding for mental health services moving away from property taxes and coming from the state general fund. Senator Joel Bolcom says this will create a problem. The state has never kept its promises to adequately fund mental health services. And it will not with this proposal. You know, I've been around here for a while. I've seen, you know, kind of the ebbs and flows of the issues here, what gets money and what doesn't. But just look at the track record the last three years of the General Assembly. We passed bills to address complex mental health needs with no new money. We told the regions more, we want more crisis services, we want more crisis beds. We passed another bill to establish a children's mental health system and appropriated virtually no new money. Go create a system. No new money. Senator Dawson says the bill isn't going to make a perfect mental health system, but it will make it better. And right now, it's the only train in town to actually advance that conversation and try to equalize these regions and try to provide more funding for those systems. So uh, I will continue to solicit all types of uh, feedback I can on this to make this a better bill. But the reality right now is the current system is not sustainable, and we have to do better for Iowans. And this bill does provide better for Iowans. The bill advances from this committee, and it is now eligible for debate by the full Senate. 
Earlier this year, the Senate passed a large omnibus bill that included changes to charter schools and open enrollment. The House did not take up that bill, but did divide that bill into separate bills. The House passed a bill that would expand the state's publicly funded charter school system. It allows a founding group to apply to the State Board of Education to create a charter that would operate independently from the local school board. Republicans say charters would create competition for traditional schools. Democrats opposing the bill say that proposed charter founding groups lack accountability to taxpayers because the members would not be elected. The bill now goes to the Senate, which passed a different version of charter school expansion as part of an omnibus bill. We have more legislative stories from our Statehouse reporter, Katerina Sestarik. They are on our website, iowapublicradio.org. Help for this episode comes from Katerina and Grant Gerlock. The script editor is Iowa Public Radio News Director Michael Leland. Additional support comes from our digital team, Caitlin Troutman, Matt Searin, and Lindsay Moon. If you're listening this far, then you know it's easy to listen to these legislative stories on this podcast. So make sure you rate this show and subscribe to it wherever you get podcasts. I'm John Pimble. Under the Golden Dome is a production of Iowa Public Radio.